Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the program on this Monday. An absolute delight to have your company. It is Players' Championship Week. We're going to be getting into more details on the players as the week progresses. If I have time today, I may even go over the interview schedule because tomorrow's interview schedule is really compelling for so many different reasons. How about the golf this past weekend? How compelling was that? The PGA Tour, remember there was two PGA Tour uh, events and the Invitational that was the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill, it had a feel to me that was very much like a U.S. Open. Really was. In fact, I was thinking about that. What... I I was saying to myself, you know, with the the way that the grasses are now, uh, and I'm talking about, say, like the Mach 1 strain of Bermuda grass, but even just the regular way that you can groom Bermuda celebration or otherwise, that they they have the ability to better stand up the blades, and so they take out a lot of the break. Not all of it, but a lot of the break. And they can get the speeds up, as you saw. And you think, geez, could they have an event like a U.S. Open? In, in Florida, of all places, then you think about it, wait a minute. The, the thing that made Bay Hill so tough this week, and you should have seen this rough, it was so thick and heavy and, and, and gnarly. Well, it was. remember, it was an overseed. So that's a rough that you're going to get this time of year. In another two to three weeks, that's going to start to die out, and it's going to transition over to the Bermuda rough again. But man, was it wild. And they're saying that the wind gusts yesterday were in the mid-20s. When you have a hard, fast golf course and you have, because you hear mid-20s, you go, yeah, that's, that's a very strong wind, especially a crosswind at Bay Hill. But it's not enough to completely, you know, turn the best players in the world uh, backwards. However, when you combine that with hard, fast fairways and hard greens, then you get exactly what I'm talking about. We were talking about it before we went on the air. Uh, Dom was talking about Billy Horschel ended up finishing a tie for second, one shot back at four under. And Dom, how were you describing the, sh- the, the tee shot that he hit into the par three seventeenth, the fame par three? I said that, you know, it was a, you know, mid iron basically into a cross breeze, a double digit mile per hour cross breeze, very difficult shot, very difficult conditions. He's one shot back. He knows he needs to make a move. He had been struggling on the back nine like everybody else had yesterday. He steps up there under the gun and absolutely flushes his iron uh, right over the water, brings it in right underneath the flag, and it basically hit concrete twice and went into the deep rough. And so what I said to Matt was, <laughs> for better or worse, it, it, yeah, well, he hit the shot he needed to hit under pressure. And he was not rewarded. In fact, he was penalized. And I was sort of off the air prior to coming on. I was complaining to Matt. I was like, that's not fair. There's all that, all that, everything going on there. And he really, he is on his game and he flushes it. And then he gets penalized for it. And he can't, he can't overcome that. And that, he's, he's not the only one that happened to yesterday. That was happening all over the place. Yeah. Some of it was the pressure of a Sunday. But Matt was saying to me, Listen, that's that's kind of U.S. Open conditions. That's that's sort of yeah. 
uh, scenario plays out at the U.S. Open every year. And you that was the it, argument right? that we but, had afterwards because Dobbs said, you know, it's not really rewarding the best shot. I said, that is the U.S. Open. Those crazy things I, happen all the time where it's rock hard. I don't know hard. if I agree with that, though. I feel like over the years, well, the I think, USGA, I think the, the thing you're not agreeing with is, is the difference between want and reality. You want the best shots. You want them on that wall. You want the best shots and you want them to be rewarded. But the reality is in U.S. Opens, go through the history of U.S. Opens to see how many times absolutely brilliant shots have been hit and they weren't rewarded. They trundle down in some little tuft of rough here and there, et cetera, et cetera. The difference with a U.S. Open setup is that at least in recent years, uh, notably uh, Shinnecock, for example, where the USGA literally apologized for the setup. Uh, in recent years, the, the U.S. Opens, the, some of their setups have been a little too, I don't know, how, what word do I use? A little too tricky. They just kind of outsmarted themselves in this effort to try to protect par. So that, you know, when you put collars of rough in areas that are made for a swale, a run out, then you don't give a player an option. And when you take away an option, that's when the players get mad. Remember Phil hitting the moving putt. He did that because he was trying to send a message. That's the U.S. Open. That's what happened. So that's what happened at Bay Hill this week. That's why Rory on Saturday was, was, didn't like to set up. He was complaining about uh, how, it, how it ended up. So let me just go through the leaderboard. Is that okay? Before. If that's the part? official stance. Is it, if that's the official stance. Yep. Listen, that's how it is in U.S. Opens. That's how it was yesterday at Bay Hill. Is that okay? Are you okay with that? Well, you remember that in, in 1973. The nature of the beast? Sandy Tatum, uh, who was then the, the uh, president of the USGA, was asked, he said, are you trying to, to embarrass the best players in the world? And he said, no, we're trying to identify them. And it's, it's always the case when you have an incredibly difficult setup. And so you'll have players that say, you know what? This setup was, was beyond the point of fairness. It actually got to a point of being unfair. That's the car wreck that you get particularly in a U.S. Open, because it happens in a U.S. Open more than any place else. That's why I felt like Bay Hill was playing like a U.S. Open. So you could have a good argument. I'm sure there'd be a good discussion had about whether the setup of Bay Hill, and remember, setup is directly influenced by weather. So if you know, if you're going to make a choice in terms of how much water you're going to give the fairway, how much water you're going to give the greens, so you know that it's going to get hard, you know that it's going to run, you know that you have a weather forecast that has little to no rain in the forecast at all, you know that you're going to have winds that are going to creep up there and then get in the gusts in the mid-20s that were, that were hitting consistently and crosswinds, then you can have that discussion and go, all right, is this fair? Ultimately, the person, I think the ultimate question in all of this is when it's all said and done, do you feel like more often than not, the best player that week was identified? The person that handled the conditions the best was identified, even if inequity is still going to take place in a setup such as that, right? It was an exciting final round. So if you look at the final round, Terrell Hatton on Saturday, the day that Rory was, was, complaining about. Terrell Hatton ended up finishing that tie for second at four under par behind Scotty Shefflett, right? Scotty, obviously five under. Terrell Hatton had a 78 on Saturday and came back with a 69 on Sunday. That to me is unbelievable. So if you look at the top of the leaderboard yesterday, that stands out as the round amongst the top players where Terrell had a three under 69. If you look at, I'm going to give you the leaderboard with their, with their finishing score and what they shot on Sunday. 
Scotty Scheffler winning on five under par. He had a 72 even par in the final round. Terrell Hatton, I just explained to you, finished one shot back at four under, 78 on Saturday. It looked very much like his, his chances were done. Comes back with a 69, finishes only one shot back. Victor Hovland tied for second. 69-66 for Victor Hovland coming into the weekend when, again, it got dry and hard and fast and the winds kicked up. On the weekend, he went 75-74, so two over on Sunday, in Sunday's final round, still finished only one shot back at four under par. Tied for second, Billy Horschel at four under. He went 67 to open, then went 71-71. Now, that 71 on Saturday was strong. Dom, if you could find me the average scoring... Uh, the, what the average scoring was on Saturday, I would appreciate it. Uh, 75 yesterday for Billy Horschel. And the story that Don was telling you about Billy at 17 should be noted. He did get up and down and save par at 17. So he was three over. So if you look at names at the top of the leaderboard, Billy Horschel is the highest relative to par, only one shot higher than Victor Hovland, in fairness, still ended up finishing in a tie for second. Tied for fifth, great run on Sunday was Gary Woodland. He went 70, 72, 70, 73. These are U.S. Open-like scores. He ended up three under par. He was one over yesterday. Tied for fifth, Chris Kirk, quietly. Even par round yesterday saw him charge up the leaderboard. Three under, I mentioned, as he finished. Even par 72 yesterday. On that very difficult Saturday, he had a 68. Tied for seventh are scores of two under par, and it belonged to Lucas Herbert and Taylor Gooch. And I'm mentioning Lucas specifically here because you you heard me giving credit to Terrell Hatton with what he shot in three under par. Lucas Herbert was four under par on Sunday. I know he played before the leaders. He went 26 spaces up on the leaderboard from the start of the day to where he finished in the tied for seventh, all said and done. Taylor Gooch, 72 uh, on Saturday, which was strong, but 77 yesterday on Sunday to see him finish at two under par. And in contrast, in the top 10, Taylor Gooch had the highest final round compared to Lucas Herbert, who who he tied with at seventh, who had the lowest at four under par. Taylor Gooch was plus five, a nine-shot swing between those two to see them both finish in a tie for seventh. Tied for ninth, uh, Sam Burns. Played really well overall. Had a high score of 75 on, on Saturday, but I don't think it was high relative to the average scoring. Dom, you have any luck with that yet? Are you still searching? All right, he's still looking at it. Uh, Sam Burns finished one under yesterday and one under for the championship, tied for ninth. Matt Fitzpatrick, again, a quiet top 10 for Matt. 73 yesterday, one over and one under for the championship. It was incredible. Uh, so with that, Earl Forsey and Mark Wilson were anchoring the coverage of PGA Tour Radio this week. Everybody on the team did a fantastic job. I was listening to a ton of it, driving back and forth from Bay Hill and what have you. And they provided us with with this recap where Earl and Mark, I'm not sure how to describe it other than to say it was a wild day and wildly entertaining, I should mention, too. Lodge for the Arnold Palmer Invitational presented by MasterCard. The analyst was Mark Wilson, who was alongside the entire way. Mark, what a crazy weekend. What a crazy, volatile Sunday it was. Tough golf course, and a lot of players blinked. Scotty Scheffler didn't. He didn't make a bogey in the back nine. The only player in the top six that didn't drop at least a shot coming in, and because of that, he's a winner for a second time. 
Yeah, it was impressive once again. Uh, got his first win there about a month ago in Phoenix. And uh, uh, this week he just kind of hung around. Didn't seem like it was the guy we were talking about a lot, but uh, he was there. And it was really the par saves at the end. Uh, didn't drive it great today. Just hit five fairways. Uh, found him behind the tree on 15, but made a 22-footer for par there. Uh, and then uh, in the rough all the way down the 16th hole, a hole that so many guys are making birdies on. Gary Woodland made eagle there. Uh, he ended up making a six-footer for par and then made two clutch pars to finish off uh, on 17-18 too. So, uh, uh, yeah, Bay Hill certainly won, uh, but I think it was a fair test for the guys, even though it was uh, extremely difficult. Yeah, it was a challenge, there's no doubt. And uh, Mark, it made for a lot of drama and an entertaining weekend, even though for a lot of the players, it certainly on Sunday was not that entertaining. It was just a tough test, and uh, Scotty Scheffler survived a win for a second time, and now he's the FedEx Cup points leader. Had not won until a month ago. Now he's in front going to the Players' Championship. That's a great thing to be at the tops of that list. And uh, I will say the guys that have played a couple of events here in Florida, like a Billy Horschel, uh, they've got to be exhausted. And then now they're going to another tough venue at TPC Sawgrass. But, yes, Scotty Scheffler is going to go there as the FedEx Cup points leader with certainly a lot of momentum. Uh, and a lot of confidence that he can get the job done. Victor Hovland, I feel uh, a little bad for him in the sense that it uh, seemed like he had really had this one. Uh, just the putter betrayed him on Sunday, uh, unable to get it done, falling uh, just one shot short. But you know what? Three wins in his last eight tournaments worldwide. Eh, he's doing okay, Earl. And quickly, Mark, it's a big week. What are you expecting at the players? Uh, just another great test, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see the, the game's best out there at uh, TPC Sawgrass, a venue that brings everybody in the mix. You've got to shape your golf ball around that place, and uh, the greens are going to be firm and fast, and it's going to be a, a true test. Uh, you know that uh, 16 and 17 and 18 played a pivotal part here at Bay Hill. Well, 16, 17, 18 are going to be a, play a pivotal part in the Players' Championship this week. And, Matt, this weekend it was a battle at Bay Hill, and Scotty Scheffler survived Sunday to win again. Second win of his career, second win in a month at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Awesome stuff, guys. Thank you, Earl. Thank you, Mark. The battle at Bay Hill. I like the way that Earl framed that one. Of course, it will be a battle this week, as they were talking about at the players. We're going to get into it in more detail, and PGA Tour Radio is going to go deep, as they always do, for an event of this stature. You can hear PGA Tour Radio on the PGA Tour app, or you can listen to it on PGATour.com. And in both of those locations, it is free and it is available to you worldwide. Or you can listen as well on SiriusXM, the national satellite service. So when we come back, you're going to hear from the winner. Scotty Scheffler talking about, you know, his calm demeanor and how that benefited him, giving everything that's going on. He talked about how difficult the golf course was. He talked about the fact that he's now won twice. He had his first and his second win on the PGA Tour within a span of 21 days. But what about those who didn't get it done? You're going to hear from them as well, including Billy Horschel and Victor Hovland and Gary Woodland. And you're going to hear from Rory McIlroy. Let's see what his thoughts are after Sunday. You remember that round on Saturday, Dom was, uh, did get back to me when the sound was playing about the stroke average, more than two strokes higher than par and and remember that's an average across the entire field so even guys at the top of the leaderboard that may have played pretty well maybe been at or even below par are balanced against those that blew up on saturday when this weather started to really get breezy here in orlando more of the fairways of life show coming up right after this it screams it tracks it's soft 
it reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. Ireland is home to over 400 courses, including a third of the world's natural links and a selection of exceptional championship courses in amazing locations, as well as hosting the prestigious Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, and the Open. Experience golf like you never have before from Royal Port Rush, Royal County Down, Port Marnock, Lahinch, Bally Bunyan, or Lee. Let yourself be embraced by the culture and history and feel the warmth of the Irish people who will make you feel as though you have not left home, but returned to it. For more information, log on to Ireland.com. The Fairways of Life show is live every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube and the Fairways of Life apps. We'll take you inside of the game with interviews, news, discussion, instruction, travel, equipment. You'll get it all and so much more. Join us on one of our fan trips to a dream destination or maybe you'll even win some new golf clubs as part of our monthly giveaways. Download the Fairways of Life apps and subscribe on YouTube now. It's free, live, and 24-7 on demand. No limits, no cost just golf. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. Created without the constraints of time or money, PXG Golf Clubs are the most technologically advanced available today. And they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know. PXG. Nobody builds golf clubs the way we do. Period. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Monday. It is the Monday after the Arnold Palmer invitation. I enjoyed the setup. I thought it was great to see. And I know that it was, as you just heard Mark Wilson saying, that Billy Horschel must be exhausted with the play that he's had in Florida. And it's, he doesn't have any, no rest for the weary because it's going to be tough at the players. This week, it's going to be tough. Next week at the Valspar, we already know that. That's just the way it goes. But Again, from our perspective, okay, if players are, are too tired, have to take a week off, do it. But for the players that are there, we get to see such great golf. And, and I, I thought it was fun to watch. I really enjoyed Now, I know I'm biased about Bay Hill, but I enjoyed watching all that. Oh, by the way, thank you to everybody for everything, all the outpouring of comments and, I guess, congratulations many of you sent along to us for this weekend's national broadcast show. When we featured the the interview that we did with Mr. Palmer, it wow! I, I I didn't expect the response that we got, but I'm I'm really appreciative. 
for it. It's it's kind of echoes the same emotions that we have every time we get a chance to hear that interview with Mr. Palmer and hear his thoughts at that point in his life and his reflections on the career that he had. Absolutely amazing. I, this one's going to be a, a cool one coming up uh, at the end of this week, too, because remember, there's a World Golf Hall of Fame induction this week, and Tiger Woods is getting inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame, and we'll have him on our national show that will air around the country next weekend. And, and you can always check your local listings uh, to find out exactly when and where the program airs in your particular market. Um, it, it's like NBC Sports Regional, Bally Sports, uh, Root Sports, New England Sports Network, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, check them out when you get it, an opportunity. Okay, so for Scotty Scheffler, finishing at five under par, it is distinctive, and I'm going to give you some of the the, those elements that stand out. Right before the break, I was telling you that for Scotty Scheffler to win by one stroke his, his second PGA Tour title, it's his second PGA Tour title in a span of 21 days. His last three starts on tour at the WM Phoenix Open, victory. At the Genesis Invitational, tied for seventh. At the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he won. Scheffler's 72-hole total of five under, is the highest winning score on tour since the 2020 BMW Championship when John Rahm won at four under par. With his second win of the season, Scheffler moves to number one in FedEx Cup points. Uh, The first time he's ever held held that position in his career, he is now fifth ranked in official World Golf rankings. Incredible. So for Scotty Scheffler... As again, as I alluded to before, we sent you guys to that commercial break. There's a, l- a number of different things that he, that he spoke about. First of all, he spoke about how he feels. How would you feel in his position after having won two tour events in a three-week span? It is incredible. Uh, but he did talk about the the course being a bear, and it was. Uh, he was talking about in, in those those that Mark Wilson was was mentioning those clutch par saves, and that's what happens in these conditions. Pars become. They almost, they almost replaced birdies in a, in a score fest, but it's about pars. And he was saying that the lag putts were huge relative to the same. Uh, he, why is the question that's asked. Why now? What happened? You broke through. And he said it's a continuation of all the hard work that he's been putting in. We'll get into that. And uh, Then he gets into some detail about just how challenging the golf course was uh, and how his particular demeanor helps him in situations like this. Again, uh, am I surprised that Scotty Scheffler came out on top? No. Look how Scotty Scheffler performed even when he was really just, you know, tender in his years on the PGA Tour, but he would show up at all these majors and play well. And everyone's like, what is it about him? Well, part of that is his demeanor in terms of what he does, but he's also incredibly competitive. Here's Scotty Scheffler. Feels great to you know be able to win here. Um, to be completely honest with you, right now I'm exhausted. <laughs> this golf course is a is a total beatdown trying to play. So um, you know I'm, I'm very pleased I didn't have to play any extra holes today. You know those lag putts at the end were pretty tough. Um, you know it's not really a comfortable position having to hit it to 50 feet and try and two putt with the lead. But you know I just trusted myself and you know played conservative the last two holes and you know pars were good enough. I think it's just a just a continuation of what I've been doing, what I've been working on. Um, you know, I put a lot of work on in at home, you know, on my game, and then in the gym, and so my body feels great. And you know, I've been able to you know play some good golf, and I've been hitting it really nicely. And I've just made little improvements over the years, and uh, you know, I'm starting to see them pay off a little bit, which is which is really awesome. Par is a pretty good score on every hole out here that I can really think of. I'm never upset with a par, and um, I thought today. 
After the way yesterday went, I thought they'd take it a little bit easier on the golf course, but the setup was harder today than it was yesterday, which surprised me a little bit. So I kind of went into today, into today thinking I need to shoot maybe a couple under, and you know it turns out even was good enough. And I mean, it's the way the greens are. Making putts out here is so hard. There's not a lot of friction on the greens, and with the way the wind is blowing, any little bit of a gust has such an extreme effect on the golf ball. Um, it's, it's so difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it looks pretty even keel from the outside. <laughs> um, you know, I think I'm pretty fiery on the inside. Um, I just, when you get on such difficult golf courses like this, you just have to kind of keep your head down and know that mistakes are going to come. You're going to get bad breaks. You're going to hit really good shots that turn out really bad. Um, and it's just stuff that's going to happen out here just because the golf course is so difficult. And, you know, today and, you know, really all this week, I did a good job of just keep fighting back. Um, really just kind of battling the golf course the whole time. I think so... You know, deep down, whatever I'm doing, I'm really competitive in it. It seems like you know, my wife will tell you that I'm competitive when we're playing board games or you know, we're, whatever we're doing. I'm I'm usually really competitive, and so when the conditions get really tough and the fields get really good, I think I get excited. I mean, that's why I practice. I practice to come out here and compete. Um, you know, I work hard, and um, you know, being in these moments is really fun. And you know, I kind of like the challenge of harder golf courses and harder conditions. So, Dom, what were you saying about the world rankings with Scotty? He's so not just right with now, Scotty. Way, um, I, what's wrong? No, I'm just saying he's fifth in, in the official World Golf Rankings now. He's that high. Yes. So um, this is from from Phil Allen. This is uh, a, a, he, he's part of Twenty First Group, which is the this is I'm getting into the weeds here, but just for context, this person is part of the group that built a platform of statistics that led to the Ryder Cup victory for Team Europe. I believe it was in 2018. They're the ones that were employed to, to create all these statistics so they could track everything. What was that, McGinley, Matt? I can't remember. They tracked, like, everything. And then they ended up winning by, I don't know, a lot, like six or seven points. Uh, anyway, he wrote, with Scotty Scheffler moving inside the top five in the official world golf rankings, this is the first time in the history of the rankings that everybody in the top five is under the age of 30. Ooh. That is crazy. The first that is time, because remember, they all, the first year was what, 1986? 1983? Yes. Something like that? Not 86. Yeah. So it doesn't go on forever, obviously, but still, that's, that's, an incre- that's a crazy statistic, Matt. It is. Let's see. Scotty is 25 years, 8 months, and 13 days, his exact age. Okay, so for Billy Horschel, he ended up finishing one shot behind Scotty Scheffler. This is how the day started for Billy Horschel. Par at one. Great. Bogies, the second. Bogies, the third. Ray of light. He birdies the fifth. Double bogey on the sixth. That's the par five. So to a tour player, that feels like at least a triple. And then his woes are not done yet. He bogies the eighth. Billy Horschel goes out in a four over 40. Didn't get any better for him on 10 bogeys the 10th and it's like okay race is run thank you very much but birdies at 12 and at 15 and again Don was talking about that great shot he hit at 17 he, he had he had made some really good par saves as well as you need to and he ends up finishing only one shot back who would have seen that coming so he was asked about the nature of the golf course and how was it that he seemed to still be able to hang in there especially after what happened at the sixth and getting some birdies after that front nine. And did he envision a tiger-like putt at the 18th hole? Here's Billy Horschel. 
Yeah, I mean, I knew I was still in it on number 11 tee. Um, I just needed to play a really clean round coming in, and, and I did that. I made two birdies. Um, you know, I wish I would have made that birdie at 16. Um, once again, I just I, I didn't uh, do a good good enough job on that third shot, that chip. But listen, I mean, I think you guys know me well enough. I don't give in. I don't give up. I'm going to battle till the end, and um, I'll go down in flames before I, you know, I tap out. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I was pretty level. I mean, um, didn't beat myself up, didn't get down, just knew I met, messed up a little bit, knew I still was in a spot to, to have a chance to, to um, win this golf tournament. And I just did a really good job of trying to, you know, execute the golf shots and stay patient. And I felt like I did a good enough job, and I, unfortunately I just came up a shot short today. Yeah, I mean, I knew where that putt was, and I knew, I knew he made it many times. And I'm not going to lie, I read it, and, and I've heard Tiger say he's read it, and he's always played a little bit more break. And, and I, I played it probably two more balls than what my initial read was. Um, and I just I, I think I hit it a little too hard, played a little too much high. Either one of those. Um, so, obviously, it's a really difficult putt. It's a difficult second shot. I felt like I did a really good job with it. And um, like I said, it's I, – I, Obviously, I'll be di- I'm a little disappointed, but um, you know we'll wake up tomorrow with a lot of good things and a lot of momentum going into next week. And next week is upon us. The players will see what, what uh, Billy can do this week. You know, we're listening to Mark Wilson when he's saying that Billy has to be exhausted, but he also is incredibly fit. So I don't know. Maybe he'll be fired up this week, get some rest today, hopefully. Victor Hovland, young guy, finished tied for second at four under par with weekend rounds of 75 and 74. So, Victor, how tough was it? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, you can be playing with no wind and there's not that much room to, uh, to put the ball near the hole. And you got water shore, you got bunkers over the green, which is not great. And especially when you get swirled in wind like this, it becomes a guessing game. You can hit great shots, but sometimes they gust up in the water or, uh, they go through the wind and you're in the back bunker. So it's, uh, it's just a, a patience test, and um, you got to ultimately make some putts and have things go your way to win out here. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm playing some great golf, but um, this one, this one stings. Um, you know, my last, my last couple of wins, I felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, this one was uh, more like I, I felt like I should have won, and uh, those, those sting a little bit. I don't know why, kind of these places seem to do they seem to fill up the bunkers with with sand uh pretty close to the tournament so i i would consider myself pretty fortunate i only had two plug lies this week uh but i'm sure a lot of guys had more than that um so i i I mean it is what it is don't hit in the bunkers but um i'm not a big fan of um putting more sand in the bunkers right before a tournament but um or I don't know if they did that or not, but there seemed to be a lot of sand in there. Um, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it's the same for everyone. It's just uh, a little unfortunate that I had a terrible shot on 17, and, and uh, that was the lie I drew. All right, Victor Hovland. And I happen to agree with him with what he was saying about the, the, the bunkers on any golf course where right before a tournament they, they add fresh sand, and they commonly do that for the look. So it has this bright, white, beautiful look of, of sand. But the problem is, is the sand hasn't had time to compact. And you get a lot of plugged lies, which, which is, I, I don't like that. I don't think that's, that's the, the way to do it. I think you should let the sand be whatever color the sand is so that you get natural lies in a bunker and a player has a chance uh, therefrom. So for Gary Woodland, 
to finish a tie for fifth at three under par was remarkable, particularly with the way that he finished. An eagle at 16, but then a double bogey at 17 and a bogey at 18. So with Gary, can you talk us through what it was like with that finish? I'm glad I'm off that golf course. I'm glad I'm done. I think that's, that's where I'll start. I'll take the positive from that. I didn't drive it very well today, all day. 16, I got a fortunate break over there and hit a great six-iron cut in there um, and then made a great putt. I'd hit a lot of good putts that hadn't gone in, so it was nice to see that go in. It felt good about 17. It was a good number. Tried to hit a cut in there and just got eaten up by the wind. Um, a little unfortunate with the lie. The lie came out of the pitch mark, but it was still plugged a little bit, so I tried to chunk it, and I chunked it. <laughs> chunked it too much, but... Um, frustrating. I, I played a lot better than the score showed, so um, I can take a lot of positives, but it stings right now. The last two weeks is just a mental grind. Um, 16 was a six iron. It was it was a really good number. I, I could have hit seven, but I was trying to just hold it against the wind, which it came off perfectly. Um, but all in all, I mean, it was it's. I need a day off, and it was just a mental just beats you up out there in the wind, the conditions, you know, the greens. There's just not much grass on them, so you. You're trying to hit good putts, but every once in a while, if you don't hit it solid, it, it can squirt on you like it did on 17. This is as hard as I've seen in a long time. I mean, it, conditions were, were brutal. I, the golf course is hard enough, and then you throw out, you know, the firm greens with not mu- and the wind and not much grass. The ball's oscillating a little bit. It was it's tough maybe since Wingfoot, I, I would say. I mean, it was it was tough. All right, there you go. So he compared it to a major championship. Rory McIlroy ended up finishing in a tie for 13th at one over par. And it's interesting with Rory, when you look at, at his stats package, if you please, his driving accuracy percentage in the opening round was nearly 80%, and he was 67% greens and regulation, positive strokes game putting, 1.776. So call it 1.8 to round. Really solid. His driving uh, distance, too, was 314 measured. In the second round, with Rory... Not that much difference in terms of driving accuracy or greens. His driving distance was 340.8. So, again, rounding it's 341 yards. Think about that for a second. But as is the case, the on-again, off-again relationship with Rory with his putter, he was negative 2.04 strokes in strokes gained putting, right? As I'm saying that, Dom's in my headset going like, oh, yeah. However... In the third round, you just heard me say that his driving accuracy in the second or driving distance the second uh, round was 341. It was 344 in the third round, but the third round is where Rory blew up. Well, his driving accuracy was 50%, which means he was plopping it into that deep rough. And as a result, it impacted his greens and regulation at 44.44%. But once he was there, because he was coming in oftentimes in the wedge, his strokes gained putting was pretty good at 1.2 takes us into the final round. And in that final round, dialed it back a little bit off the tee, but the distance is still monster distance because it's so hard and fast. 322.9. Driving accuracy percentage, eh, 43%. Greens and regulation, good. 67%, which means his miss wasn't as much of a miss. He was able to get the blade on it behind. However, the putter acted up again, vexed him. His strokes gained putting in the final round, a negative 2.19 for Rory McIlroy. So I guess the, the 
place to start with Rory. Let's, let's keep it on the positive side, Rory, and talk about how much of a kick is it for you to be back here. You've won at this place. Yeah, I feel punch drunk, to be honest. It's like the, the weekend's just, it's like crazy golf. You know, you just don't get rewarded for good shots and like I'm venting here and I'm frustrated and whatever, but it's, uh, I think as well, the frustration is it's a carbon copy of what's happened the last three years here. I started off really, really well with a 66 or 65, went out Friday afternoon, condition got a little tougher, and then over the weekend, it's just sort of been the same, the same stuff. So three years in a row, it's just sort of been, you know, start off, lead the golf tournament, and then you just sort of re- regress and come back to the field each and every day. So it's, um, yeah, it's frustrating, and it's just, it's hard to keep your patience out there. The way the conditions are, it makes you feel as if you're not playing as good as you are. Like, I'm playing good. I'm hitting good shots. I'm swinging the club well. I'm chipping well. I'm putting well. But it can knock your confidence whenever, you know, the conditions are like this. And, you know, you're, I'm, I'm certainly playing better than shooting eight over over the weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of trying to regroup and, like, like forget about this week. And, and next week's going to be a completely different test. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, it's really hard to get it close from the fairway anyway. So it's like, you may as well just have a rip at it. And wherever it goes, it goes and you sort of figure it out from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they need to do something about it. I, think, I mean, you see, there's a lot of guys that sort of stay away this week to get ready for next week. Next week's become such a big event. I mean, $20 million purse and I mean, it's, you know, the four majors are sacred in this game, but it's it's very close to, to being among them with with the way it's going and um yeah as i said like i just need a day off tomorrow forget about forget about what's what's happened this week and then just sort of focus on on next week i think it's just a golf course setup issue and 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 maybe just trying to make it a little um a little less penal when when you miss i guess is the or not even less penal when you miss but um I don't mind golf courses being penal when you miss, but it's not rewarding good shots. I think that's where it starts to get a, you know across the line. All right, Rory McIlroy with some very strong comments about the setup at Bay Hill. It, I keep saying it, it reminded me of a U.S. Open setup, and these comments that we're hearing from players are very consistent with the things we hear the week of a U.S. Open as well. This week, however, is the players. And when we come back, I just want to run through with you the interview schedule. Which you're like, okay, so you're giving us just pure information. Yes, but that interview schedule itself is so compelling because we know what the storylines are going to be inherent. You know what I'm talking about? You'll understand in a second. We'll discuss it when we come back. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer in the United States. Full stop. Let that settle. Is it because of their 50-plus big, huge, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast? Yeah, it is. Because you can find whatever your game needs inside of those stores. You can also find it online, pjtoursuperstore.com. But they're also staffed by professionals. These are people who have a vested interest in ensuring that you get what is right for you. It's not just about them selling a sporting good. I know there's other big box stores that sell golf equipment, but they sell everything else too. And the people that they have in there are not professionals. At the PGA Tour Superstore, you know you're getting service by professionals. When we come back, let's go down the road and talk about this schedule at the players in the next 24 hours. And yeah, I'll tell you what, it is amazing. Stay with us. Huh, Ridgeback. Ridgeback, that's pretty cool. So it's a brace for the face. Ridgeback. 
like the dog. I'm, I'm really a cat guy. So what is it? The best feeling and longest metal woods you'll ever hit. Was that Bernhardt? Oh, great. Langer. <laughs> You know why I play Tourette? Because I win with it. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. Created without the constraints of time or money, PXG golf clubs are the most technologically advanced available today. And they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know. PXG. Nobody builds golf clubs the way we do. Period. Here at Boyne Golf, each course tells its own story about friends, about challenges, about unforgettable moments. This is Michigan's Magnificent Ten. Golf as pure as it gets. The Fairways of Life show is live every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube and the Fairways of Life apps. We'll take you inside of the game with interviews, news, discussion, instruction, travel, equipment. You'll get it all and so much more. Join us on one of our fan trips to a dream destination or maybe you'll even win some new golf clubs as part of our monthly giveaways. Download the Fairways of Life apps and subscribe on YouTube now. It's free, live, and 24-7 on demand. No limits, no cost, just golf. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. Welcome back to the Fairways Life Show. Monday, Players' Championship Week, 144-player field. Representing 25 different countries, top 30 players in the FedEx Cup standings. First event of the 2021-22 season with all of the top 30 in the field. 48 of the top 50 players in the official World Golf Rankings. Think about that for a second. 109 PGA Tour winners combining for 423 tour titles. 123 of the 125 players who qualified for the previous season's FedEx Cup playoffs, the most of any tournament in the FedEx Cup era. Eight players champions and eight FedEx Cup champions in the field. Last man in the field is Taylor Moore, number 64 in the FedEx Cup standings through the Honda Classic. And the first alternate is Patrick Rogers, who is number six. Harris English, Phil Mickelson, Steve Stricker, and Tiger Woods are the only qualified players not to commit to the championship. All right. So as for today, 
This is what I was saying before the break about, I think this is so compelling. Tomorrow's Players' Championship press conference schedule. At 9 a.m., Justin Thomas. Now, you remember what this win meant to Justin Thomas with, with all of the turmoil that he was going through coming into his championship at TPC Sawgrass. At 9.30 a.m., Colin Morikawa. Do you think that Colin's going to be asked about finishing 11th in the PIP? That's what he told us. Remember when he changed his two L's and his C-O-L-L-I-N? He changed the two L's to two ones. <laughs> uh, at 10 a.m. tomorrow, Rory McIlroy will address the press. Right? And Rory McIlroy, you just heard from... He, you know, he was set up, uh, upset about the setup ultimately at, at Bay Hill because he, he felt like it, tough is fine, but if a, if a good shot is not rewarded, it bothered him. Okay, respect the opinion. However, the, I feel like just having been to a zillion of these run-throughs where people are running through the media center, there starts to become a theme and there starts to become a feel. Well, at 11 a.m., I'm jumping ahead, but I'm going to go back. At 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan is speaking. Think about that for a second. With all the talk about the Saudi-backed Super Golf League, etc., this is the first opportunity that the press has to actually ask questions of the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Well, what happens when that takes place is the press are getting ready for what will be a very big and very important interview. Not that any of them are less. I don't mean it that way. I just mean they haven't had a chance to speak to Jay Monahan like this. So, they're going to be geared up for it. They're going to be ready for it. They would love to be able to, when the commissioner comes in and say, hey, so-and-so was in just five minutes ago and they said this. Well, so-and-so before him is Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy, and then at 1030, John Rahm. Now, of that list, all of them have pledged their loyalty to the PGA Tour. Okay, fine. But still questions are going to be posed to these players. They're going to get elicit whatever response they get. And then the commissioner comes in at 11 a.m. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot wait for all this to start to unfold. Then in the afternoon at 2.30, Patrick Cantlay will speak. At 3 p.m., Scotty Scheffler. At 4 p.m., Xander Shoffley. That's just odd Tuesday. It will be amazing. And of course, we're going to have all of the coverage for you uh, here in the Fairways of Life show as the week continues to progress. And what a week it should be with the Players' Championship standing before us. I'm sure you guys are as pumped as we are about it. Hope you guys have a great Monday. Thank you so much for your company. We'll see you again tomorrow for Spared. Until then, goodbye for now.